welcome to Little Bodies, Mighty Hormones, a podcast that delves deep into the world of pediatric weight management and hormone health. Join me, Dr. Rinkumera, as I embark on a journey to unravel the mysteries of these tiny bodies with enormous potential. Here, I will guide you through the intricacies of nurturing healthy lifestyles, fostering hormonal balance, and empowering our youngest generation to thrive. So whether you're a concerned parent, a healthcare professional, or simply curious about the wonders of pediatric health, you're in for an enlightening ride. Stay tuned for expert insights, inspiring stories, and actionable advice to help our little ones reach their full potential. Let's embark on this empowering journey together. I know we spoke yesterday a little bit, but I wanted our listeners to hear about you. And if you could just introduce yourself to my listeners, they'd be very interested to know what you do and they're very excited about what you what you have to share today. Yeah, absolutely. So hi everyone. I'm Dr. Funke Afolabi Brown. I am a sleep medicine physician. I'm also the founder of Restful Sleep MD. And my mission really is helping moms and their children prioritize sleep so that they can live to their fullest potential. Okay, and, so great. and where are you right now? Where are you located? I'm in Pennsylvania, probably about okay. minutes okay. from Philadelphia. And you're going to be soon starting your telemedicine practice. Is that right? In the end of the year. Okay, great. Okay. So we'll add your yes, details yes, at the end yes, yes. of our talk today. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about why you're so passionate about sleep medicine and what made you want to focus on this for your practice? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think my really, it came from a place of struggling with sleep myself, right? As uh, in my training, mm -hmm. right? I'm sure right. in yours as well. <laughs> sleep was never a thing. In fact, if you're someone who likes sleep, it seems like you're lazy, right? There was this narrative about just hustling and grinding and I feel like I was burned out almost as soon as I walked through the door and so went through all that and then you know got into medical training and the residency and then kids came along and they don't read any manual as well they don't they're not sleeping mm -hmm. I just struggle through it all and so I think that really got me fascinated with sleep because I then started to understand why sleep was so important for me personally. And then I went ahead and did a fellowship for in sleep medicine just to really better understand it because I realized that when, when I sleep better, I am functioning all around better. So I wanted to help more people. And then I, you know, fast forward to my own daily employee practice. I'm seeing a lot of kids with sleep issues. But then one of the things I was hearing as a recurring theme was the parents mm -hmm. are still not sleeping, you know, so that's really what made me embark on my journey. To okay. Yeah. Sleep yeah. And I think that's so important. And like you said, you know, we are so chronically sleep deprived of parents, I think. And I think I was in shock when I had my children realizing that I was up all the time, <laughs> completely non-functional, I think. And so I think yeah. that's very important. <laughs> And so very important for us to understand that sleep is very important, just as important as, you know, diet and exercise, not more for us and for our children. So tell us about sleep and kids. So how much sleep do kids need? And I know it's different across the ages, but mm -hmm. if we're looking at 
you know, adolescents, let's start with that, this adolescent age group, you know, 13 and above. What do you think is a good amount of sleep for them? Because I have a teenager right now and she sleeps a lot. And I just wanted to hear from you, you know, how much sleep do they need and why is it important? Yeah, absolutely. So the way it is, sleep sleep needs change, just like you said. The National Sleep Foundation actually has established guidelines and recommendations about how much sleep each sort of age group needs. And so, you know, infants are sleeping anywhere from, you know, 11 to or, you know, 14 to 17 hours, newborns, for instance. And then our teenagers, right, about 13 and over till about 18, sleep anywhere from about 8 to 10 hours. And I think really a lot of kids are sleep deprived. They're really not getting that. Or they're sleeping, they're short, they're sleeping really short amount of time during the week. And then they try to right. make up on the weekend, right? So that's something that we see. That's yeah, a so you're saying 13 and above are teenagers at least 8 to 10 hours a night. And then what about mm-hmm. the younger mm-hmm. age group? So what yeah. if we're, you know, looking at, you yeah. know, 5 to 10 or 5 to 12 year olds? Yeah, yes. So the way it is, so like I said, you know, that newborn stage, 14 to 17. Then around that, like four to four months to one year, about 12 to 16 hours. Again, give or take. Four months, right? to, six, four months to six years. That and then for, oh, the 12, oh, no, okay. four months yeah. to 12 okay. months. So four months to a year, exactly. And then, you know, our preschool, so that's think three to five sleep from 10 to 13 hours that's the recommendation then our school-age kids which would be from about six years old to 12 sleep recommended to sleep about nine to 11 hours so that's the recommended range again you know this is such a wide range i think at the end of the day even beyond that magic number because you might have say for instance a school-age child who is sleeping about you know, I don't know, nine hours or 10 hours of sleep, if they're still tired, if they're still feeling sleepy in the morning, if they're still having like, you know, focus issues during the day, Mm -hmm. they may need just a little bit more. So again, this is such a range. You have to watch your child to get a sense of whether they need a little bit more versus they need a little bit less. And I think that's why the range is so And a lot of parents are asking here on the Instagram live about how to get your kids to sleep those hours. Right. Because, you know, they're yeah. so preoccupied with other things or the teenagers have homework to do and they're staying up late mm-hmm. to get that done or kids are on screens. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of routine and how, you know, if you have any suggestions for parents as far as how to get them to get to bed on time? Because I think that's a struggle for all of us. It, it, is, it is a struggle. So now. The strategy for every age group sort of differs a little bit, but there's some fundamental things, right? So the first thing to realize is the expectation. First, set an expectation. Like, how many hours does your child really need? And I will tell you, it does sound like a lot of hours, but think about it. Until they're about four years old or five years old, they're taking naps. So that total amount of sleep includes the nap, right? So you may not get your child sleeping a whole, say, 14 hours overnight. Mm -hmm. That's where the naps come in. And, you know, by the time they get to about four or five years old, typically they'll outgrow the nap. And then the idea is to have that consolidated sleep overnight. Now, in terms of, so that's first setting the expectation, right? So, and then your teenagers, for instance, you can't necessarily force, try to get your teenager to sleep 11 hours because that's too much. They don't need that. And all that's going to cause is frustration. 
right? So now when it comes to getting your children to sleep, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do all day. So, uh, so what I recommend is exactly what you said, apart from setting those expectations, is having consistent routines. I think that's really important because even though, you know, our body sort of has this what we call a sleep drive that helps us to know when it's time to sleep and we start to feel sleepy your child is rubbing their eyes having a routine helps cue their body to say yes it's evening time and it's time for you to sleep and really what are those routines many parents end up complicating the routine it becomes this long drawn frustrating activity because the kids are running all over the place my recommendation is keep it really short and sweet what does that mean? Two to four activities that are pleasurable for both parts of the team mm -hmm. <laughs> and are heading in the direction of the bedroom, right? So things like brushing their teeth. But if you notice that you have a toddler who hates brushing their teeth, uh, then maybe don't put it close to bedtime because what that's going to do is cause a lot of frustration. So you want to push that to the beginning of the routine and then do maybe a bath time, mm -hmm. wear your PJs and do some reading and then they go off to sleep. So I think that's just something and you can modify that based on their age. So even your teenager still needs some right. kind of routine. Even you right. as a parent, right. as a role model, you do need routine. It does help cue your brain for sleep. So when it comes to that, if you notice that your child is either pushing back, there's so many reasons why kids may push back, right? There's so many reasons why they may have difficulties falling asleep as well as difficulties right. maintaining sleep or staying asleep. Many times the struggle may be about bedtime battles, right? If you have a routine that's very simple, that's sort of predictable, that eases that burden for some. Another thing that I use, especially for younger kids, is a bedtime mm -hmm. chart with rewards. So make it simple. Again, don't make it anything too overwhelming for you. Create a, a chart with either drawings or steps as part of their yeah. routine and let them be a part of that. So that they can either put a check mark once they're done with that routine and then they go on to the next one. And then the other piece is also limit setting, right? If you set those expectations and your child is, say, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do, you, of course, ignore negative behavior. If you start to see them follow along and do the things you want them to do, you reinforce the positive behavior. So it's the same kind of similar strategies that we'll use to address behavioral issues during the day. We just modify it a bit. To yeah. help okay, great, great advice. So, so you had said, you know, make sure that they have a routine, but keep the routine short and sweet. So mm -hmm. just a couple of things to do, right? Brush your teeth, take a bath, shower, mm -hmm. read, mm -hmm. maybe trying a chart for the younger kids and then really reinforcing the positive behavior for these kids. Because I think, you know, they always want to stay up later. And then, you know, the end result is oftentimes a battle at bedtime to try to get these kids to, to go to bed on time. And then, like you said, you know, it limits the parents yeah. also to sleep and limits their routine setting. So I think that's very important. So I want to shift yeah. a little bit and ask you, you know, the reason that I'm very interested in this topic in particular, and having you speak, you know, you're an expert in this field, is what happens when kids don't get enough sleep? And, you know, from our perspective, we have seen a link with hormone abnormalities, with poor sleep. We have seen higher levels of ghrelin levels, which, you know, inc increase appetite in kids when they don't sleep enough. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, what happens, what do you see, not just from a hormone perspective, but, you know, in other areas of children's lives when they just don't get enough sleep? Yeah, so many things. 
can go wrong when our kids are not getting enough sleep, just similar to us as adults as well. Except with our children, right? They're going through a rapid phase of development. So sleep is just so important. So the first thing I really see a lot is first impact mm-hmm. on their learning and behavior. So you may start to see a child who either starts to not do so well in school, may hold, may have more irritability, may yeah. have issues with impulsivity, uh, emotional self-regulation. So that tantrum during nap time in the grocery store because they don't want this giant lollipop before lunch might be related to the fact that they're really tired and irritable, right? So you see that you may sometimes see daytime sleepiness in the older kids, but it turns out what we end up Mm -hmm. seeing in younger kids is hyperactivity. So they may just be bouncing off the walls and you're wondering what's going on. And you may think, okay, maybe they need to play outside some more, but at the end of the day, what they might actually need is sleep. And then, you know, with our, with our teenagers, I see a lot of, you know, mood problems too. Anxiety, depression has been related to insufficient sleep, as well as increased risk-taking behavior. So we can see things like substance abuse, car crashes yeah. as well for our teens that are driving. And then, you know, you mentioned some of those hormonal changes because when you're chronically sleep deprived, what it ends up doing is it increases just the entire inflammation in your body. So cortisol levels are going up, stress levels are high. So you may see different manifestations. Like you mentioned the hormone, there's a flip in the way your hormone, your appetite hormones are regulated. Where leptin, which is sort of that fullness hormone, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be on the higher side, kind of drops. And then ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, increases. And what that ends up doing is it's going to make your child just hungry all the time. And so they don't and they don't seek out like healthy foods. Usually they'll seek out more of the high carb, sugary things, the sodas and things like that. And you can imagine that's how the weight gain comes up. And then motivation also decreases right and they've actually done studies to look at this where they looked at kids who had i think they were fourth grade to seventh grade something don't quote me on that lots of children over two thousand children and they looked at those who had insufficient sleep and just their regular the trend in their appetite and of course they saw they wanted more of the sugary foods the high carbs and things and they also looked at their activity levels right and the recommendation is about 60 minutes of physical activity for our kids and the likelihood of not meeting those recommendations is higher in the children that don't get sufficient sleep and guess what happens when you're physically active, right? You're more likely to keep up a healthy weight. So we can see how that kind of can right. then lead to things like obesity. Because of the higher inflammation over time, they can develop hypertension, kind of like adults. They can develop, you know, some heart disease, diabetes, and things like that. So honestly, I just feel like it impacts mm-hmm. them all yeah. the way from yeah. the top to the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it does affect everything. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, I mean, the mood and anxiety and depression in older kids is important. And then these tantrums that they're having and learning issues in school, I think that's manifest oftentimes. And so, you know, sometimes it's important to kind of evaluate the whole child picture and see what is it going, you know, going on before, you know, having kids on ADHD medications or obesity medications or any of those kinds of things, right? So really important to evaluate the sleep from, uh, like you said, the top down, just to really see how it's impacting everything. The next question I have actually from some of the listeners here is, so, you know, say your kids are doing all these things that you recommended, right? So they're, they have a bedtime routine 
and they have, you know, they're limiting screens at bedtime and they're still not able to sleep. When is it that they would come to see you and what would it be that you would do for them? Yeah. So there are different reasons. You know, I mentioned sometimes it's just bedtime resistance. Sometimes it may be related to bedtime fears. You might have kids that are scared of the dark. You may have kids who may have a little bit of depression, anxiety. So we have some strategies that we can put in place to help with that. You might have a child who has difficulty with sleeping independently. And so maybe they fall asleep with you laying next to them at bedtime. And then in the middle of the night, they keep needing you to return. So those are all that what I just described under the umbrella of behavioral sleep issues. And I help with taking care of kids that have those issues. It's a lot of kind of coaching. Essentially what I'm doing is I'm coaching you to coach your child to sleep independently as a skill. And it's never too late to do that. Some, you know, people call it sleep training, independent sleep training, whatever it is. Essentially you're helping your child to develop those skills. So that's kind of the behavioral bucket. And then the other bucket is more of the medical bucket, which is really some of the work that I do where you have a child say, for instance, they are in bed and they are you know, they're tossing and turning, they're not bothering anybody, but they just cannot sleep. Either their legs are uncomfortable, sometimes it might be related to restless leg syndrome. And that takes really asking and keying in on what's going on. Some of the flags you'll hear is your child may say, you know, can you rub my legs? Or my legs feel weird, or I have spiders on my legs. So that might be a clue that, okay, this child might have restless leg syndrome. And what we usually do with that is we will do an evaluation with an iron level, it's really often related to low iron stores in the blood because if you think about it, most of our kids may not necessarily right. be going after the green leafy vegetables. So right. a lot of kids are iron deficient. So that's usually something we could fix easily and some other blood work we might need to do, um, especially if we've ruled our behavioral issues. And then another one is another thing that can disrupt their sleep. That doesn't necessarily cause difficulties with falling asleep is sleep apnea, right? Where you have pauses in your breathing during sleep. So if you have a child that's having frequent snoring, gasping, pauses in breathing, where they are or, you know, they are waking up and they're constantly having this wake ups in the middle of the night. Sometimes they may not fully awake. You just may notice that in the morning, they just look really unrefreshed or they're tired and things like that. In that case, yep. what I recommend is getting a sleep study. And so that's a test where we essentially are watching their breathing during sleep to really see if these pauses are related to true apnea or if it's just plain old snoring. If a child has sleep apnea, the main stay of treatment is surgery where we take the tonsils and the adenoids out. Uh, in some children, especially in children who are very overweight, that might not be sufficient. And so they may need CPAP, similar yeah. to the ones the adults use, right? With the interface and the, you know, the compressor that just kind of pushes air to the back of the throat. And then you can also have some really sort of relatively rarer medical conditions that can affect sleep, like narcolepsy. It's not as uncommon as people think. And sometimes it presents in a very subtle manner where the child is just profoundly sleepy. They're having sleep attacks during the day. Sometimes they may have what we call cataplexy, where they have low tone, suddenly loss of tone during the day or triggered by emotion and things like that. So once you start to see like my child is getting enough sleep during the during the night, 
but they're still yeah. excessively sleepy during the day and they're having some of these other symptoms, that might be a clue to have okay. them see. Okay, great. This is really great information because I think there's a lot of things that parents just don't understand really about sleep and yeah. some things that you know may need to be assessed and addressed by someone like you, which is very important. And I agree with you. I think you know the green leafy vegetables, these kids are you know not eating, and so that's probably more common than we actually think as far as the restless legs and down for these kids. So yeah. I guess, you know, final words I wanted to just, you know, get from you a little bit about, you know, any medications that you use and for sleep and, you know, a lot of parents are using over-the-counter mel- melatonin, you know, medications. And this is not meant to be a topic for, I mean, we're not giving medical advice. This is just for educational purpose. The sense from you is to do you have an overall thing that you tell parents, you know, when they say, I want to use melatonin for my kids? And what do you say? Yeah. So my, I, my, really my philosophy is about really getting to the why, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Melatonin may seem like a quick fix, but then I think it's important to figure out why they need melatonin. Is it, are there behavioral sleep issues they're having? In which case, you may not necessarily see any improvement with melatonin because our brains produce adequate enough melatonin. And there are few conditions that melatonin will be helpful in. If you have a child who maybe has sleep issues and they also have things like ADHD or autism or some other conditions that we diagnose, uh, melatonin can actually be effective, no doubt about that. If you have things like jet lag or shift work sleep disorder, or you have a teenager who has a biological or circadian rhythm that's shifted, sometimes we'll use melatonin to help with adjusting their body clock. But other than that, honestly, we've not necessarily seen melatonin as a cure for insomnia or things like that in children. But that being said, you know, some people will try maybe on the short term, it's relatively safe, but you do need to be careful. There have been some side effects. Some kids may have more nightmares. They may have bedwetting. They may have a lot of daytime sleepiness. Some kids can have develop behavioral issues when they're on melatonin. And then a lot of times people just give yeah. too much <laughs> yeah. melatonin to their kids too. So, you know, because of this, and because I know that there are just a lot of things we can do from a behavioral standpoint, and also from the medical standpoint, leaving just a really small category of kids that truly do need melatonin, I always often say at the end of the day, try to address those. If you do need to use melatonin sort of as a bridge until you get to why they're having the sleep issues, that's completely fine too. But if you start to notice, say after two weeks, that your child is constantly needing the melatonin, you definitely want to speak with your doctor because then, you know, there may be more going yeah. on that can be, you know, okay. that okay, this is great information. This is so helpful for our listeners. And for me also, I learned a lot today from you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So where can people find you? And I know you do a lot of speaking also. And so where can people find you? Yeah, so I thank you for having me. This has been fun. (laughs) So I'm on Restful Sleep MD. That's, Uh That's my handle on Instagram, and also on on Facebook, LinkedIn, Dr. Funke Brown. And I do, I speak at conferences, webinars, sessions, whatever okay, it is. Yeah. I speak if it's about I know, sleep. that's where we find her. Dr. Funke Brown is on ABC News also. So if you, you know, Google her, you can find her information. And I'm so grateful that she's been able to take time out of her day to speak to us today. So thank you so much. Disclaimer. 
The information provided in this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The content is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it based on information shared on this podcast. The host, guests, and creators of this podcast do not endorse or promote any specific treatment, product, or medical institution. Reliance on any information provided by this podcast is solely at your own risk.